Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Behind Enemy Lines. I'm Alejandro Suniga over at the Michigan Insider. Very excited to have with me today Colin Post, who covers TCU and the Horned Frogs over at Horned Frog Blitz. If you're listening to this podcast, you know exactly what we're going to talk about. But just in case you don't, the Michigan Wolverines and the TCU Horned Frogs are in the college football playoff. They will be meeting for the first time ever on New Year's Eve at the Fiesta Bowl in Arizona. Colin, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Listen, the, even just the phrase you just said, that TCU's in the college football playoff, something Michigan fans are used to. Let me tell you, TCU fans are not. So just getting to cover that team and being a TCU grad myself, it is surreal to be talking about this. Uh, and it's great to be on the show. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah happy to have you here. And, and you actually brought up a point right there that I've been thinking about myself for this past week is, you know, this is new for TCU fans. This is relatively new for Michigan fans too. And in fact, when I look at TCU, I see a lot of similarities this year to Michigan last year, right? You know, last year, Michigan famously, you know, was given just a 2% chance of winning the big 10 and making the college football playoff. They were coming off that two and four season in 2020. And all of a sudden, you know, they, they have this magical season, this magical season that kind of takes the conference, its fan base, the nation a little bit by storm to make it to the college football playoff for the first time. Here we have TCU not picked to do very well this year with a first year coach in Sonny Dykes. And hey, all of a sudden, college football playoff, it's, you know, it's the the horned frog with, uh, with the memes and all that. And, and it's a season that's going to be remembered for a very long time no matter how this game goes. Colin, from your perspective, just what's this year been like? I'm sure it's been crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, two years ago, if you had told me that TCU in 2022 would be coached by anybody other than Gary Patterson, I would have been shocked. Everybody really felt like Gary was going to go out on his own terms. And so for him to get fired and just let go the way he did in the middle of a season, it kind of felt like the program, which had been one of the most successful in Texas since 2000, was hitting a bit of a rock bottom. And then even though Dykes was really successful at uh, at Cal in moments, but especially at SMU, it still felt in the moment like maybe it was a bit of a settle of a hire just with him being just down the road, crosstown rival. But man, he really came in, took the team, the program by storm he brought in. A great, great staff. The, I mean, Kazkazadi has been incredible strength and conditioning. Obviously, Garrett Riley, the top assistant in college football, has been amazing. And the list goes on and on. And so what he did in the spring got people really, really excited for the season. But still, I mean, at most, maybe ex- expecting eight or nine wins. So for them to have a perfect regular season, for Max Duggan to have, you know, lost the QB race and now be – you know, in New York tomorrow night for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. I mean, it's a magical season, like you said, and and I think the pieces were in place. It hasn't come out of nowhere, but, you know, something that's important is this is pretty much the exact same team that Gary Patterson had last year, and so it says a ton about the work guys like Dykes, um, Riley, and then Duggan have done this offseason to get ready, and like like you said, TCU fans have never experienced something like this in the modern college football world since the playoff has been a thing, um, even though, you know, a lot of them feel like in 2014 they were robbed. And so to experience this is very surreal. And no matter what happens on New Year's Eve, I think TCU fans will remember this season for a long, long time. 
Yeah, and and Max Duggan certainly has has one heck of a story. Uh, he is, of course, a Heisman finalist. Uh, we are recording this before uh, the Heisman is announced, uh, so you may listen to this after and know whether or not he won. Uh, but whether or not he does, he's had a very very special season. Uh, certainly, when we talk to Michigan football players after uh, the college football playoff matchups were announced, you know, we asked them, "What do you know about TCU?" and the number one thing that everyone knew was, hey, that quarterback, man. Uh, sure, TCU lost in the Big 12 championship game, uh, but Max Duggan balled out. And and Max Duggan, uh, deservedly so, is in New York City for that uh, for that Heisman Trophy ceremony. Uh, he's got 30 touchdowns, 30 passing touchdowns on the year to just four interceptions. As we saw in the Big 12 championship game, he can also run the ball. Uh, he is a guy who who it seems like he is the heart and soul of this team in so many ways. Uh, what can you tell us about him, Colin, but both in terms of him as a player, uh, also his backstory, as you mentioned, he wasn't necessarily the starter coming into this year. No, not at all. And what's really interesting is Max was a guy who his freshman year, 2019, TCU had brought in a transfer from Kansas State, Alex Delton as a grad transfer, and he was going to start. And then unexpectedly in camp, Patterson started talking about this kid, Max Duggan, you know, four-star guy out of Iowa and, you know, who people were potentially excited about eventually. But Max really showed some awesome signs of just grit, of determination. TCU had a big win over a ranked Texas team that year and that Max really played well in. And so from that year it always felt like max was a type of guy who could be what we know him to be now but then in 2020 as a lot of more people know now he obviously had a procedure on his heart didn't really have a real off season and then even especially last season which there were a lot of expectations on him just was never able to be as efficient um it doesn't feel like they were able to ever get the most out of him with the way they scheme the offense and the things they asked him to do. So there were a ton of question marks this year going into the season of is Max Duggan, has he hit his peak? Was he never able to you know, improve any further than that kind of the, the things we saw from him as freshman and sophomore year. And uh, then obviously Chandler Morris wins the starting job. Max comes in just because of an injury against Colorado and the rest is history. And so what, what Max Duggan represents to TCU is something that TCU has not had in really in a long, long time, and it definitely not since Andy Dalton, just a guy that represents the university at an extremely high level. And he uh, he works hard. He never complains. The most humble athlete that I've ever covered. And then as you can see on the field, an extremely, extremely gifted uh, leader. He's turned into a really, really good passer, extremely efficient. He's been his whole career really, really efficient, does not turn the ball over very much. And then now Garrett Riley has been able to figure out what brings out the best in Max Duggan. I think that combination brought us to this year. And, you know, look, maybe Max isn't doesn't have the best stats in the nation. Guys like Stetson Bennett, C.J. Stroud, Caleb Williams, obviously maybe a little better statistically. But Max is for sure one of, if not the most important football player in the nation when it comes to what he brings to his, his team. And so that has been just incredible to watch. And just anybody you ask, national or local media that covers Max, has not one bad thing to say about him. So just a total leader and the guy that whenever you see him on the field, you know TCU has a chance to win. And that's not something TCU fans a year ago, and especially not three years ago, felt like they could say.
Now, of course, Max Duggan isn't the hundred percent of the TCU offense. Of course, uh, there are a slew of talented players. In fact, when when I look at this TCU team, uh, I, I just see a, a team that is loaded uh, with NFL pro caliber talent uh, at its skill positions. And one of those, of course, is uh, leading receiver Quentin Johnson. Uh, but there are others, of course, Darius Davis, Tay Barber, uh, even the running back. Uh, it's Kendra Miller. Kendra Miller, correct? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's averaging more than 100 yards a game. So this isn't just a, a team that's going to rely on Max Duggan's legs and then also his arm. They're going to hand the ball off quite a bit uh, and do some damage on the ground. So, so Colin, on top of Max Duggan, when Michigan fans are preparing to watch this dynamic, talented, explosive TCU offense, uh, what should they be looking out for? Yeah, it's a great question. I think what's interesting about this TCU team is, like I said, it has the centerpiece of Duggan, but uh, you know there are guys that are arguably offensively more talented than Duggan, and Johnston and Miller are two of the same. I feel like Miller is probably the second best back in the Big 12, it, arguably the first, and a top three back in the country. It feels like it's Corum, Hem, and, and Bijan. Um, and just what the season he had this year following the departure of Zach Evans from the program was just such a breath of fresh air. A lot of question marks about what this running back room could do. And I, I do want to shout out Amari DiMarcado, too. He's a fifth-year guy, and he really has been great in that backup running back role as well. But Johnson is one of those guys that, one, I think has a chance to be top 10 in the draft this year, a guy that I could see being the first receiver taken. He's just so big. He gained about 15 pounds this offseason. Um, he's so big. His, his reach is so long. He, his yards after the catch are just crazy. Really hard to bring down, especially uh, for such a tall and, and lanky guy. He he is really able to shake defenders well. And then he's just a really good one-on-one guy, which makes sense given his build. Uh, really a guy that consistently wins one-on-one matches. And TCU like, loves, loves, loves to throw the fade to him in the red zone. Um, and so that that's an interesting thing. What we do see from Quentin Johnson is consistently he does have a drop issue once or twice a game which is something that I'm interested to see how that affects his draft stock. And then obviously he did have the fumble in the big 12 title game. And so Quentin came out this year and and was really one of the best, if not the best receiver in the big 12, but it still feels like there's another step that he's still been waiting to take of elite uh, to get to a, an all American type level. And um, whether or not he stays another year at TCU is, is obviously unlikely, but he's never played on a stage this big. And, He's the type of guy that, although I think Michigan is the best defense by far TCU has faced this year, Quentin Johnson is the type of guy that just creates mismatches. There's no one that can truly guard him in the country. And so because of that, I think the TCU offense will have a chance if, if, if him and Max are, are connecting, which they did not for a majority of the Big 12 title game, including Max's interception and, and a fade to the left of the end zone. So that will be really interesting. What kind of game does Quentin Johnson have? What kind of connection does Max Duggan have? Can they get Kendra Miller going? But kind of like you said, when you think about Davis, too, when um, you think about other guys, um, even Jared Wiley, uh, Jaquarius Spivey, you know, other guys like that, Savion Williams, this offense is super loaded. And I think probably one of the more dynamic that Michigan has seen. So it's like Michigan averaging only 13 points a game, giving up TCU scoring 40 points a game. One of those things has to give, and I'll be interested to see which does in this matchup. Yeah, TCU offense, to, to throw out those statistics, is the sixth best scoring offense in college football. 
uh, averaging just over 40 points per game. Uh, notably, too, they're, they're second nationally in plays of 30-plus yards, and they're first nationally in plays of 50-plus yards. So this is certainly a team where you are looking at the explosives, and, and you are you uh, it's a, it's an offense that hits those explosives off often, and they're facing a Michigan defense that, you know, outside of that one run that Sean Clifford had for Penn State uh, at the end of the first half, this Michigan defense does not give up long plays. They don't really give up mm. plays of 40, 50 plus yards. Colin, w- when teams have been able to slow down TCU, how have they been able to do that? I know that Maybe there's some issues with with the offensive line in short yardage situations. Are there other things, or or is that really like the one big failing of this offense? Yeah, I think a couple of things. One, when TCU obviously TCU didn't lose a game in the regular season, but consistently we saw them down early, even by double digits more than once this season. I think when TCU was not able to get their offense going early and teams jumped on them, you saw them get caught by surprise. But the biggest sample size we have that obviously is their one loss this season in the Big 12 title game. And to me, one factor that maybe wasn't decided by Kansas State was that Max Duggan was clicking on the lowest level he's been all season. And man, he really turned it on with his legs late in that game, gave TCU a chance to win. Props to him completely. I don't mean to knock him, but that really held the TCU offense back. And like I said, it led to a couple of missed opportunities, including that interception. But one thing I think led to that is Kansas State had a spy on him all game. And, and what what that did is it prevented him from being able to, when the pocket was collapsing, run run up the middle as much as he wanted to. And so late in the game, we saw him kind of exploit that a little bit. And that kind of talks to you about how well-conditioned and uh, smart of a quarterback he is. But I think if Michigan is able to kind of contain Duggan, force him to throw the ball, especially with just how well they rush the passer, this TCU offensive line is really approved. And Steve Avila is just one of the best offensive linemen in the, in the nation. Um, but it, it, it's, it's still not a great unit. And Michigan being, once again, some of the best trenches that TCU, if not the best they've seen all year. I think if you get Max off his rocker and then prevent him from being able to scramble like he wants and throw the ball, making quick decisions on the run is definitely not a strong suit, especially to the right side of the field. And that, I think, was something we saw against Kansas State, and it held him back passing the football. And so even though they had a chance to win, I think that's ultimately probably the biggest factor that we saw in that title game as to why TCU lost. Awesome. Well, we'll certainly uh, have more conversations with the Michigan football team uh, and, and, of course, with TCU as the game approaches uh, to see how they might approach defending Max Duggan. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here, come back and talk about the TCU defense. And we are back, folks, on the Michigan Insider, michigan.247sports.com. We're going behind enemy lines, previewing Michigan against TCU, the Horn Frogs. Uh, with Colin Post, who writes over at the Horn Frog Blitz, our 24-7 sports affiliate. Just finished talking here, Colin, about the very talented TCU offense. Uh, and now let's shift gears and talk a bit about the defense. Uh, this defense, it's a little bit incongruous to me uh, because I've read and I've seen people talking about how talented of a secondary TCU's defense has. At the same time, I look at the statistics and I see a team that is ranked 74th in total defense. They are 97th in rush plays allowed of 20 plus yards. 
They are 119th in pass plays allowed of 20 plus yards. And I just think to myself, all right, am I just letting my biases kind of come out a little bit and thinking this is just, you know, big 12 defense where there really is no defense? Is it that the offenses they're facing are are just that talented? You know, what's going on here? Uh, so Colin, I'm hoping you can give me a little bit of clarity. I know, I know there are talented players on this defense. I know they have made plays. I know they are probably better than those numbers suggest. What should I, what should Michigan fans be expecting to see at the Fiesta Bowl on New Year's Eve? Yeah, no, and you bring up a ton of good points. I think this TCU defense, to use the term I used about the offensive line, is much improved from last year. I mean, this was a bottom 10 defense when it came to rushing yards allowed in the entire FBS last year, which is just absolutely absurd to think about when you think about the way Gary Patterson revolutionized football, revolutionized defensive football specifically for forever. And we just saw a, a really lost unit last year. Once again, TCU didn't bring in too many players, but two of the guys that they brought in are part of that secondary, Mark Perry from Colorado and then Josh Newton from Louisiana Monroe. And, and Perry really struggled against Kansas State. Uh, he really he got turned across by Deuce Vaughn and one of the more embarrassing plays that I think a TCU defender has had all season. But he still is a really consistent tackler in the open field mo most of the time and has become kind of a leader on this team. And then Josh Newton, literally one of the best TCU transfers in the history of the program, has been a lockdown corner. Trey Tomlinson won the Jim Thorpe Award last year, last night. I personally think Josh Newton is even better when it comes to coverage. And so to your point, I think the safety unit does struggle a little bit um, and they do, they have given up some big plays, but as far as that one, two punch of Hodges Tomlinson and Josh Newton, I think that is going to be super interesting. And what we saw Michigan, obviously blowing that game open on deep touchdown throws will be interesting to see. How does this unit match up with this secondary? It does. Is TCU able to prevent that and kind of prevent McCarthy from getting momentum? A guy that's had a really good year passing, especially as the year has gone on, but is still young and needs needs confidence to get going and, and could have a really poor game if not. And so what I think is really interesting is the Michigan run game. Obviously, the huge story is Corum not being able to play, but Donovan Edwards is so talented, so fast. And I think what's scary about that is TCU's linebacking core is really, really hurt right now. Um, obviously, we saw Marcel Brooks out for the season a couple of months ago. And then overall, they've just been banged up. Johnny Hodges was not able to play in the Big 12 title game, even though he suited up. And so he, a Navy transfer, has been kind of the heart and soul of that linebacking core. But we've seen improvements from guys like Shawan Hodge, guys like Shadrack Banks. But overall, the unit, it hits hard, but they are very slow and they're not great in coverage. So a guy against a guy like Edwards, that is dangerous. And, and like you said, TCU is prone, especially as of late, to giving up big plays in that category. So... I will be interested to see what happens. I don't think this Michigan offense is anything TCU has not seen, but they do run really, really well, and they block extremely well. It's in the trenches, they're just so much better than TCU, in my opinion. And so I, I think TCU, at their best, will be able to contain this Michigan team. But like you pointed out with those stats, you're not wrong. It has been inconsistent at times. And so we'll just kind of have to see which TCU defense we, we get on New Year's Eve.
Yeah, I'm just curious, Colin, because I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at formations, and I'm I'm seeing that TCU runs a three-three-five defensively, and that's something that that Michigan fans, you know, that, that have been fans for a while, can remember maybe back from the Rich Rod era uh, over at Michigan. You know, when when you're thinking about defending spread offenses. Uh, you know, that's where a three, three, five is suited pretty well. Cause you get your, your linebackers who can come in and fill gaps and, and can get out to the boundaries. H- has TCU faced a power rushing offense similar to Michigan's this year? And, and if so, how have they kind of handled that? No, I, you know, I really don't think so. I think the two probably best running teams TCU faced all year were Baylor, um, who I think had a really underrated year when it came to running the football, just because, you know, picked first in the big 12 and and Baylor had, I think finished six and six. And so that kind of clouded, but I mean, that running back core is awesome. And the way they scheme, it was super complex. And on the first drive TCU Baylor game, TCU defense was caught super off guard. And then obviously Kansas state Deuce Vaughn, most dynamic rusher and probably the country when it comes to just all the things he can do and, both the pass and the run game. But when it comes to power, there's really not a team in the Big 12, one that has an offensive line near as sturdy as Michigan State, but then runs the ball um, still very fast, but it's powerful. And I, I really think probably the only back in the Big 12 that runs anywhere near as hard as a guy like Corum or even Edwards is probably Kendra Miller, a guy who really came out as a tough runner this year, has broken a ton of tackles. But when it comes to TCU's opponents, definitely not. And so, like I said, that is probably TCU's strong suit defensively is tackling in space and hitting hard. Uh, they, they're they really able to hit hard a ton of big, strong dudes on this defense. So that will be interesting. Is TCU prepared? Because I think they have the personnel to do it. But to your point, I don't think they have the experience against it, especially not this season. And that could get exposed a little bit, especially in, in the first half. Well, it will certainly be an interesting contrast of styles, of colors, even uh, of two programs that have never met before. And, and right. what a what a first meeting it's going to be. You know, I'm very excited for it. Uh, you know, the the early lines uh, suggest that that Michigan is the favorite in this game by I think it was eight points or so. Uh, again, that's what Michigan was as an underdog when they rolled into Ohio State and dominated the Buckeyes in Columbus. Mm. Uh, and, you know, these are two very different teams. I think their Michigan fans go into this game with a bit of confidence that, you know, unlike the Georgia game last year, you know, Michigan belongs in the college football playoff. Michigan has proven itself as one of the nation's elite, both this year and last year. They're 25 and two across the last two years of football uh, and are probably, you know, probably rightfully so favored but against a TCU team that is dangerous and could very well, you know, knock off the Wolverines, a TCU team that's having a very special season. So Colin, I'm not going to ask you to, to give a prediction for this game. You know, we are still, as we record this more than 20 days out, there are, you know, 15 practices that each team gets to have, you know, the teams are on break right now. They're not even in Arizona yet. They're still in, at least here in Ann Arbor in the cold of the final season and everything. Uh, but your first impressions, I guess, of, of how you think this game might play out on New Year's Eve. Yeah, I think one thing that should scare Michigan just a little bit is this TCU team, the way that they appeared post-game against Kansas State, 
I think showed just how important this season is to them. Obviously, the story was around Max Duggan crying, and and you know there was a, the drama with Caleb Williams, maybe saying you know I'm a, he's allowed to do it, I'm not. You know that's neither here nor there. But the hunger I saw, you know, there's a picture specifically I saw of Travis Hodges Tomlinson sitting on the field post game. This team believes that they they really believe they're the best team in the country, and Dykes is is gotten them to a point where they feel like they can beat anyone. Add that on to the fact I think they're the most um, way more a dynamic offense than Michigan's seen all season, even compared to Ohio State, maybe not complete as a team, but offensively. And they just do things a lot differently. Now, obviously, vice versa, that that fares the same way for Michigan opposing TCU. But I think this is a game TCU absolutely can win, though I do think Michigan is the more complete team and has the advantage here. And so we'll just come up to – Probably between the two quarterbacks, I think both teams are going to try to make them beat them and not um, Michigan for defensively and then maybe TCU for guys like Miller and Johnston. And so we'll just see who's able to step up uh, when the lights are brightest and both guys are playing in the biggest games of their career. That will be really interesting, and I, I think it'll probably come down to that. And so, like you said, I have no idea what to say as far as a prediction right now, maybe when we get closer, but... 100% expect this to be a close game and really, really excited to see a really tenured guy like Harbaugh, who's in his second straight playoff versus a guy like Dykes, who is in his first year with the program and first year at the playoff. So, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. Uh, Colin, I think it's, it's very exciting. Uh, it's very exciting to have new blood in the college football playoff. You know, Michigan, Absolutely. Michigan, of course, is, you know, one of the blue bloods, but, but it's new for Michigan to be at this level. Uh, it is new for TCU to be at this level. And hey, these are two teams that have made a living this season on the second half. You know, Michigan has mm. been so dominant in the second half. TCU, one of those teams that that has made comeback after comeback. Uh, and it's going to be fascinating. I think even if uh, if one one side or the other goes up by, you know, two scores, you can't count them out until until the clock reads zero. All that being said, Plenty of time left until the college football playoff. We here at the Michigan Insider just wanted to give you an early look at the TCU Horned Frogs. Colin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for taking us behind enemy lines. Find plenty of coverage uh, in your podcast feed. We'll have lots more content coming in the days, weeks to come. And of course, at the Horned Frog Blitz and over at the Michigan Insider, michigan.247sports.com. Colin, I will see you at the Fiesta Bowl.